This is Make Yourself at Home, a BizNow podcast where we hear from people in real estate about the pandemic, its impact, and how various parts of the business may look as the recovery takes place. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. Today on the program, we're speaking with Nick Romito, the CEO of VTS, a cloud-based leasing and portfolio management system. The company tracks office tours each month and releases a monthly VTS office demand index. Last month, the company reported what it's calling a surge in tenant demand. Nationally, the index jumped 86 points, a monthly growth rate of 28%. It is uneven across the country though. New York is still 20% down on February of last year. Nick says though, if tours are up, deals are imminent, meaning companies are planning their comeback. Just how that comeback will look, however, is the big question. We do feel like a big part of that surge is pent up demand, right? So the question is, you know, does that growth continue or does it start to temper a little bit? You know, but the, the thing that we've been waiting for is the tech tenants have really been on the sidelines for, for quite a bit, quite a while. Um, you would have thought that most of that growth the past three to four months was tech and it, and it actually wasn't. It was other industry groups. Tech is now starting to kind of wake up, right? And that's a big part of um, what we're going to need to see this recovery happen, you know, in more of a, a V-shape versus a U-shape. So when you say pent-up demand, you mean that's like occupiers moving into space that have never had space before? Uh, I think it's two things. I think it's one, it, it, it's a lot of folks who have hired lots of people during the pandemic from home, right? Again, I'll, I'll just use us. We've hired 200 people, I think now, that we've never met in person, which is very strange as a CEO. Um those people really want to come to the office and meet their employees, their, their teams. Um, that's that's a large group of that demand is our, our you know existing companies who can no longer fit in their previous space. Um, the next group of folks are folks who are what I'll call opportunistic, right? These are folks who clearly have probably wanted an office for a long time, and maybe they were in a WeWork or something else. Who've said, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of the situation, and I'm going to get great space at probably a 10 to 20 percent discount than I could last year. And I might even sign a long-term lease, right? Because I want to lock that in. So, and those are all kind of um, trends that we haven't really seen in a while. I was going to ask, like, is it also companies that have had space and now they're looking to downsize, which would not be so much a positive from an office owner's perspective? Well, that's 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 the question, right? That's what nobody really knows just yet, because while there is demand coming back to the market, you know, we're still below where we were, but what's also coming back to market is lots of space, right? So, you know, we're going to have um, probably record sublease space as a part of overall supply, um, you know, numbers we haven't seen in 15 years. So, you know, you've got to take that into consideration as you think about absorption and what happens. But again, back to your, your earlier point, it also means for a tenant in the market or an occupier, it means lots of options, right? Because the, the difference between, you know, now and call it 2008, when, when was the last time we had this much sublease space? is the sublease supply is very different. Back then it was kind of old back office bank space. Now it's pre-built steel, glass, good space. So it's gonna be competitive um, for the, you know, from the direct owners to, um, to the sublease market. So it'll be interesting to watch. We're obviously tracking all of this, but I think just at the highest level, what our data would, would tell you is that people are, are for sure planning their return. Um, the larger question I have is like, okay, what does it really mean? Is it three days a week? Is it two? Is it five? Um, we're going to see. But then when you look at like different cities, it's a different story. I believe Seattle and San Francisco are doing well. 
New York, I don't think those numbers are that impressive. Like, what is it still 20% down on pre-pandemic levels? And that's not going to thrill anybody in terms of demand. Yeah. So New York, you got to remember, New York fell the hardest, the fastest, right? We got, we got hammered here, um, but it also climbed much faster, which I think was, um, people were hopeful. So, but to your point, yeah, some markets are starting to taper off. And again, if you start to watch case counts grow a little bit, um, you know, that will typically start to kind of taper off that surge in other markets, right? Like LA, for example, was kind of on fire the past few months. That started to taper off a little bit, but given- On fire in terms of demand? Sorry to interrupt, but on fire- it was. In terms of, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it, it came back quite a bit and as did SF, but I think LA now has kind of slowed off a little bit. But if you look at just kind of what's driving drop, job growth there, which is, you know, really kind of digital content, streaming, production, that's not going to slow down, right? That is, you know, maybe the hottest industry in the world right now, right? Is TV and the internet TV. So um, we don't expect things to to really slow there, regardless if, of any kind of slow taper we see. Um, but you're right, like places like Boston are still slow, right? They've not really seen um, that same pickup that other markets have. And I think we think of Boston as really kind of a tech market, right? It's it, compared to some other market. This goes back to my earlier comment. The sooner we see the tech companies really get back in the market, you'll start to see the market's dynamic shift a bit. And so I think that's what we're hoping for, for Boston as well. Are you predicting like a change in the topography of the office market nationally as we're seeing those kind of uneven numbers across the various office markets? I think that's going to start to play out over the next probably quarter or two. I don't know if we have enough data yet to really kind of make a, an assumption there, but it's going to be interesting, right? I think you're hearing lots of chatter about hub and spoke models. I actually think that the current tax situation or potential tax situation is going to dictate a lot of this. You know, a lot of these companies, the, the larger banks play a bigger role than everybody thinks in terms of where they go and where they renew and, and how the, and the downstream effects of that for other companies. So there's, it's, listen, it's probably the most interesting time since I've been alive for commercial real estate. You know, it's unfortunate why that's happening, but nonetheless, it's going to create some, some opportunities for lots of people and, and less for others. Do we know what types of space these tenants are looking at? Is it something that you have insight into? We know a little bit. We don't know enough to probably give you what I'll call like quantitative data on, on that. But the nice thing is what we're also doing in our, in our larger data product is you know, we catalog every space, right? So literally we right now have, I think almost two thirds of Manhattan on our, our marketplace, um, which the brokerage community can actually search and, and share with their customers. But as a part of that, um, we catalog space. So we're tracking everything from ceiling height to column widths to, you know, what, cause that's the stuff that I think we're, we really wanna know, okay, if demand is coming back to the market, is it going to the, the white box space that needs a lot of TI and, and free rent to get a deal done um, or, are they going to pre-built space where it's plug and play and I don't need to, I don't need to sign a five-year lease, right? I can sign a two-year lease. Um, that's the stuff that we're, we're digging into now. Um, if you looked at some of the concession data, obviously, you know, those things are, they've grown quite a bit, right? Things like free rent, uh, TI dollars. So, you know, it's, it's costing owners. Uh, again, this goes back to the opportunistic tenant, right? They, they know they can do this right now and they can get a great deal and owners need their buildings filled. So. Um, I think the deals that we are seeing, those numbers being where they are, tell you that people people aren't afraid to to sign a long longer term lease and get space built for them that they really want for, you know, five ten years, not just two years. Okay, people coming back in September is like what I'm hearing all the time. Is that people 
which is like a year later than what everyone was hoping June this time last year. Oh, <laughs> they were saying when this first happened, I was talking, who was I talking to? Some economists they were like, yeah, if, if this goes beyond six months, the world's going to end. Or like, I was like six months, that would never happen. It's going to be two weeks. And then yeah. a year and a half later, we're not in the office. Yeah. Many things, many predictions were made that turned out not to be, not to be correct. But so September is when I'm hearing people are coming back. But there is a seismic shift taking place potentially when, as you're saying, how is it going to look? Is it going to be hybrid? Is it going to be a couple of days a week? What, um, from, you know, the conversations that you have every day with landlords, has the, sh- has the fear grown or has the fear eased off? Where would, what would your fear index <laughs> be at right now? So, so let, let's talk about the different data points you have, right? So one, I think the sentiment of the owners is this is where, to your point around kind of eternal optimism is they're coming back, right? We, we, we know what happens in office buildings. You can't recreate that at home, which is, I think is largely true. Um, the other kind of, the other positives you have as an owner is two things. One, you now know that this kind of density game, which hurt you for a long time is going to be over, right? Like the 50 feet per person, like, that's going to go away, right? People are, whether, but it's not even legally, but maybe it becomes a a legal thing. Who knows? Like you're going to have to have more square footage per person to just give them space, just to kind of feel better about coming to the office in general. That's every company. Um, So even if you think less people are coming to the office, that, that additional square footage per person probably nets you out to maybe a similar square footage. Um, so there, you got to think about that, right? Because again, the, the model the past couple of years is density is getting lower and lower and lower. We're on top of each other. There's bench seating. I think those days are, it's not over, but it's going to expand from where it was. Um, the second thing is the things that you need to really grow your business now. And that was my kind of landlord hat now putting on my like CEO hat of a, of a high growth tech company. Um, the things that I've seen in doing this now for year plus is that one, you for sure can get work done and be productive at home, right? I was your legacy CEO. Uh, Maybe even though I'm a a fairly young guy, an old soul, I was like, if you're not here and I can't see you, you're not working. It's not happening, right? Like, you know, for better or worse, that's how I felt. 1950 style business approach. (laughs) Yeah, I could, I guess I come from real estate. I couldn't help it. It's just maybe it's just part of my DNA. I now know it's not true, right? You can for sure get great work done from home. You can be productive. However, what's been, what's clearly obvious to me now and my executive team is for someone to be great at their job, they have to see what great looks like. And you can't see that on a Zoom call, right? To really grow and to collaborate with your teams, it is nearly impossible on Zoom. And so that, that stuff you can't recreate from home. And it's, it's if someone is ambitious in their career and they wanna be um, in a leadership position, that stuff happens by kind of understanding and seeing it. And so I think everybody now, I've not spoken to a CEO, honestly, you can name the size of the company who doesn't feel that way. Um, I think it's, it's given me kind of like a newfound excitement for working together in an office. I think, again, I've spoken to maybe 25 CEOs who have anywhere from 5,000 square feet of office space to a million square feet. And I would say 95% of folks are going to say it is mandatory you're in the office in September, right? Why More- 95% full yes, time? Now, but to your, no, that's the question, right? right? Okay. Is it, is it, is it three full days or is it four? No one's doing less than three. 
from what I can see. Now, listen, clearly Salesforce and, and these folks are saying, well, it's going to be permanent. Good luck. I'm going to give them probably a year before this is a terrible decision. Our teams have to have to collaborate and work together. So I don't personally buy the like, you know, every person under the sun, we don't even need an office. I just don't buy it. Right. There's no proof that name name one big public company who's ever it's never happened. So I don't have the data points to say it can happen or it can work. So I think this sounds really cute and clever and they'll do it for a year. And then you're going to see, and maybe it's like, it won't even be promoted. More and more people on a monthly basis are going to come back and say, guys, I got to be with you. I got to, we got to talk. So, but to your question is what does full-time look like? Is that three days? Is it four? I don't know. Right. But I think it's at least three uh, in terms of whom I've spoken to. All right. Demands up. People are looking at space again. We are coalescing around this idea that some form of office is going to be necessary. I think we've probably all agreed on that. We just don't know how it's going to look. Regardless of all that, there's going to be winners and losers in this from a landlord perspective. Who are the, going to be the winners, do you think? So it's a good question. I think in a market like this, right, where, where the people who do want to come back are going to be opportunistic. I think you're going to continue to see this flight to quality, right? So, if flight to if, quality, I feel like people have been using for like ten years now, though. You know, I think I think it's been said. I think it's been said in a way where the folks who could afford to go to those buildings are going. Right. Um, but now I think that I think it's going to be everybody. You know, your startup who was paying eighty percent more to be in a flex space because they could get all those things and do it for you know month to month is now going to say. I can be in that building on a two, on a three-year lease and have my own space and I can afford it. That's very different, right? And, and owners didn't want to do those deals and now they will. So I think the winners are going to be the, the, are going to be the owners who are in a position to deliver great space without doing a ton of work, be flexible and take those customers and grow them. Because the one difference now that I don't think people paid as much attention to pre-COVID because there was so much office demand was the kind of overall experience they have to deliver to a tenant, right? And we obviously made a big, a big acquisition here purely on this simple thought that this now matters more than it ever did, right? So if you put someone in your building and you truly treat them as a customer, they're going to want to grow with you, right? And you're likely going to have space to physically grow them where you didn't have that last year. So this, this kind of customer retention model that hasn't really kind of been a focus for landlords the past 50 years is now going to be a real thing, right? So, I mean, think about the switching costs for an owner, right? It, they're massive. For a software, as a software company, we're highly valued on net retention, which is are people staying with us and growing? Our switching costs aren't as high as an owner, not even close. But for an owner, net, you know, retention is normally 50% maybe, right? That, that is now, that's going to be one of the most important numbers for them. And so the folks who really concentrate on that and try to keep people in place, it's going to be a renewal market the next two years. We know that those are going to be the winners, right? Um, and not everyone's built that way, right? They're just not. I was going to ask you, we'll talk about the, the acquisition that you made in a moment, but I did want to ask you, so the people who are trying to be winners, um, it sounds like the sorts of landlords who just had a fine building and they leased it up and it was all good. Are there small things that they can do to position themselves to be a little bit more ready for this? I mean, is it a yeah. matter of like uh, ripping up a few old ceilings and? Well, I think it's a good question. Like, I, I think one, you're, I think they're going to have to spend the money, right? Like you're, whether you want to or not, 
and, and maybe the answer to your question is it's folks who are in a, who are in a capital position to spend the dollars. Folks who who you know don't have a ton of debt on the asset. You can say, you know what, we're we, we are family owned. We don't have any outside investors. We own these buildings outright. We can spend two million dollars of capex to put in shared amenities to build pre-build great space with lots of steel and glass. Like that's going to be the experience you have when you come here. And whether you want to do a one-year deal or five-year deal, we're happy to expand with you, right? Like, I, I think those are the folks who are going to win. I think the, the total building experience of whether it's shared amenities or, or, or food or all those experiential things in a building are going to make a real difference. And in fact, it might even be the expectation going forward. And you hear that a lot, right? You, you hear people talk about it and how important it is, but I, I think it's real. And what we'll, what, we'll, what we'll be able to tell you, and we probably could tell you now, I just don't have the data in front of me, is as we catalog these buildings, are those buildings really seeing more demand because people know those exist today? Um, I'm sure we have the data, I just don't have it in front of me. There's probably millions of square feet though in New York. I mean, I mean, we know that like class B and class C, Midtown office, we've talked a lot about what might be happening with that, but there's probably millions of square feet of buildings that are in trouble, right? <laughs> so to speak. It's a lot of supply, right? I mean, it, it can't all be leased at the same time, but, um, I would say, listen, New York City owners are some of the most resilient people on the entire planet. They just find ways, right, to make the building more interesting. And they're going to have to do that. The folks who are going to be creative are the folks who are going to win, right? The folks who, who believe they can just rest on their laurels and say, you know what, I've been through this before. You're going to be last to the party, right? And, you know, that's it's going to cost you downtime and that costs us money. So uh, it's going to be the, the progressive folks are going to be the ones who win here. So you required that that acquisition that you referenced is um, your purchase of Rise Buildings last month, $100 million acquisition. Uh, it's a Chicago-based startup that is like a mobile app, as far as I understand, that essentially like manages buildings. Um, and so now, as far as I can tell, you'll fold that into your offering. So you'll have that to say to landlords, you can use this app that we own to handle your leases, do you manage your building. $100 million, big acquisition in this current climate or any climate really um what convinced you to make that move make that purchase yeah well let me let me let me clarify kind of what it is right because it's, it's yeah. very timely and and i think um a lot of buzzwords uh, there <laughs> yeah. it's, it's relevant to what we're talking about so what what vts rise is it's it's effectively a, a remote control for the tenant the occupier to do all the things they they can't do from their phone from access so literally from their phone no more kind of key card i literally walk into the building I can book an amenity in the building with my phone. Uh, I can book a gym class in the building. I can, uh, if something's wrong with my space from that same app, I can tell ownership, we got an issue here, it's a work order. So it's even touchless elevator. So if I want to, if I want the elevator to come and I can call it from my phone, right? So it's, it's kind of giver and, and also all of the other preventive stuff, right? So if ownership wants to tell the whole building in, in, in two seconds via text message or email, we've got a COVID case in the 10th floor, we're going to use this elevator bank. All that stuff is built in, right? So whereas today or without that, that is four different systems that don't talk to each other and it's all highly manual. So as an occupier now, when you talk about like what are the things owners have to do to get ready for this return to work or more importantly, what are the expectations for an occupier? It's going to be that experience, right? I want to know that you're giving me the tools to better manage my workplace and to make my teams feel safe here. That is a prerequisite. Right. So if I've got to choose between building A and building B as a tenant and building A is going to give me a mobile app to completely run my workplace experience, that's going to be safe and touchless. 
that matters to me versus building a is saying, here's a key card. You've got a visitor coming, talk to, you know, Frank at the front desk and two hours later, we'll get you set up. That's just not going to work anymore. Right. And so I think COVID in a lot of ways has been this kind of tailwind for ownership to make changes they probably didn't want to make, even though it's going to be net positive for them. Um, and certainly for prop tech. So yeah, for us, this was a, a very large acquisition, obviously, um, you know, hundred million dollars is, is a lot of money. Um, but um, I mean, the, the response from our, our customers is unlike anything I've seen in 10 years. Like it's just, this is one of those things that you now know is a necessity, not just because of COVID, post COVID, right? Just, it's just an experience that, that occupiers should have. But obviously right now um, with the return to work, you know, we think about to happen, it's everybody's kind of rushing to get this thing in place. Uh, and it, it, it's directly integrated into VTS, right? So like I can now see as the person who put that tenant in place, which I use VTS to do, I've got a real-time pulse on them, right? Are there occupancy trends going up or down? And as that renewal comes closer, I wanna know, is there less of them in the building or more? What are they using in the building, right? So I can talk to them about that and hey, hey, listen, you know what, you guys are a great customer. Let's talk about what you need, but I, I kind of know what's happening with them versus right. being, you know. So you can look at them and say, oh, you've got a lot of people coming in like on Tuesdays or whatever. Maybe you need yeah. You guys are, Yeah, you guys love the gym or exactly, right? That's always the question. Um, but listen, you know that if, 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 if a company's occupancy trends are going the wrong way, they're likely not expanding with you, you know? So it's about understanding what can I do for them and just to be a good partner, want to keep you in the portfolio, right? Because maybe I don't have space here, but I've got space across the street. Can we show you that? Um, so, and that's what I think people expect now in a post-COVID world. So do you think just from a, um, data gathering point of view, there's going to be any pushback like privacy wise? Cause that's, there's a lot, it sounds like a lot of tracking of people's movements. Well, well two things. One, th there's nothing personally identifiable, right. And, and two, the, the occupiers physically have to opt in to say, you know what, I, I'm okay with you guys understanding when just what number of people I have come into the building. Um, so it's, we, we were obviously, we've got to comply with all kinds of, of government regulation, both in Europe and here. So it's, it's directional, um, mm -hmm. but it's still better than what we have today, which is zero, right? So how are offices, I just wanted to ask you looking right now, because I remember when we first talked about um, offices reopening last summer, it was um, some people had the thermal trackers, some people went with the plexiglass, some people went with the like, don't stand here, stand here. Has that shifted and changed at all? That's going to be a question for the occupiers right? Like they are going to have to set their own rules around what they mandate. For example, I'm, I mean, I'm part of these like CEO groups and there's some folks who are saying we're going to make it mandatory and it's legal to say, if you are not vaccinated, you cannot come to the office, okay. right? And guess what? It's mandatory to come to the office. So what does that mean for you? If you're you getting don't vaccinated. Yeah. Right. Um, other folks who are saying it's not mandatory, but it's going to be highly recommended. Um, it's 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 going to be all over the map. Um, I don't think the building owners can can mandate it, right? So it's going to be up to the tenants themselves. So it'll be interesting, right? Like these are conversations we're having across our company every day now around like, you know, all this stuff is, well, what's mandatory? How many days a week? Uh, I am certainly under the impression that um, we, for our teams to really do what they do well uh, at the highest level, they've got to be in the office, right? I just believe that. Is it three or four days mandatory? Is it five? We don't know yet, but I I, I feel like, working from home is a privilege, not a right. Um, and so you got to treat it that way. So, okay. So would you, for example, man, mandate vaccinations? 
Um, it's a good question, right? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really pleased to see, I don't know a single, I, I've not spoken to one person in my company who isn't already scheduled or has it already. So it, it may be kind of a non-issue for us. Um, well, to the best of your knowledge, I mean, you're not correct. 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 We, haven't, we haven't surveyed, right? So I don't correct. know yet. Yeah. But I, I certainly feel more comfortable if people are vaccinated, right? Personally. Mm. Um, so we've got to figure that out because there may be religious issues and, and other reasons why, or, or, or medicinal issues why you can't get it. But so how do you treat those people? Right? I, I don't know. I guess this is a, a thought process that so many CEOs are having right now. Like, what do I ask of my employees? You've de- yeah. sounds like you've definitely arrived that there needs to be some form of, of being in the office. That's going to yeah. be mandatory at some level. You just don't know what just yet, right? Yeah, exactly right. Well, to be honest, we can't physically fit we've doubled in size, right? We were out of space before the pandemic. So I think if, you know, if the social distancing rules stay in place for offices, um, we can literally fit like 12% of our people here at a time, right? So you're going to have to have a flexible schedule probably for the next year until we find new space. Uh, And so that's, um, you know, that may solve a lot of the problem for us anyway, right? Because we just can't physically fit you. So we're going to have to have a schedule. Um, but I think what we're also contemplating is, do you just tell one group of people, for example, hey, you are part of this team, and we know that you work better together. So you're just you're in five days, everybody else, you know, you can work remotely for the next six months. So we're, we're, we're kind of thinking about all these ideas. Uh, and it's not easy, right? There's no CEO class for this stuff that says, hey, during a pandemic, do this. <laughs> what are you going to be doing as a CEO? Are you going to be in every day, do you think? I'd like to be. Yeah, I'd like to be. You know, I kind of feel like one of those sea captains where you go down with the ship. You're just like, <laughs> I don't leave the ship, right? You're, you're at the mast no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's just nice to, I, you know, I'm one of those CEOs who likes to talk to everybody and understand what's working, what's not working. And, um, you know, whether it's like actually doing customer support and taking calls once in a while to just hear the customer directly or deploy. I just like to be in the weeds. So you've made this acquisition, right? This this Rise uh, Buildings acquisition because you believe that that's going to be the next big thing, what every building needs, what every customer wants. If you had another, another 100 million hanging around, and I don't know if you do, what would you invest in now? Like, what do you think is going to be the next big thing for the office and for office people who work in the office space? It's like, I spent so much time thinking about this, Miriam. Uh, I have like, I have a couple philosophies. So I think the things that COVID have done, I don't think are reversible. And I'll give you examples, right? So pre-COVID, if a tenant was hitting the market looking for space, they were going in physically touring 50 spaces at a time. I don't believe that will ever happen again. I believe that occupier is going to do the same thing they do when they're looking for an apartment, which is I'm probably going to go online and I'm going to find 50 I'm going to go tour 50 and see 10 in person. Right. I'm not going to see 50. Right. I just don't, I think that probably was going to happen over time, but COVID just kind of overnight made it a necessity. Um, Like me as a CEO, like good luck getting me to tour 50 spaces again. It's never going to happen. Right. If I can't tour online and see it, I'm not going to see it. Um, And what's funny is we, our first product that we launched during COVID was that, was our our digital market. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that the the first, the view the space, the very first iteration? 100%. 100%. (laughs) And we launched, we didn't plan it. I wish 
it feels like we may have had a crystal ball in this. And we had been working on a new version of that for two years, which we launched literally in the middle of the pandemic and when it first happened. Uh, and that was the fastest growing product we've ever built all of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes sense, right? Like, yeah, okay, in 2021, I can't go and just tour office space online. Well, now you can. So that's one thing that I think is, is not going to go back as much as owners probably, even still, at, even though they're seeing a higher conversion when that happens, I think they're still holding on to that one a little bit. Um, but I but just don't believe- still be doing the physical tours that they really need to be. Well, that, that that's going to be a necessity in that, right. that that has to happen. When the reality is you don't want to spend your time touring someone who's never going to sign a lease with you, right? Like no brokers ever said, I love touring tenants. It's just, that's not true. My other prediction or place that I would spend them. So one, I would, I would invest there, which we are, but I think another one might be the, the, the flex situation is interesting, right? Like I, I think we work was not was is because there's, there's obviously still, you know, a large company, but it's probably one of the most expensive uh, prototypes in history, mm-hmm. right? Like they spent, I don't know how many billion dollars, just really kind of showing the market that this is a product that can create a lot of demand. You can argue the business model all you want, right? How they did it. But they kind of proved to everybody that like, if you build really functional, great space and you make it flexible, there's a big opportunity there. There's demand for a product like that. Um, now, because of their basis and their business model, um, it didn't play out exactly how they wanted it to, but I think you're going to see a resurgence of, of WeWork in a lot of ways. Um, but I think what they did do is they showed owners that you know, if you're in a position to do, to do this yourself, you might have a lot of success. So I actually think you're going to see a, and this is pretty mature in London, honestly, a lot of the owners do it themselves now. I think you'll start to see that here where owners say, you know what, we've got whatever, 100,000 square feet coming to market and coming available. Uh, 60 or, or 80,000 of that, we're going to do direct larger deals. We're going to keep 20 or 30,000. We're going to pre-build those floors as space for existing customers to grow into or just as a fl- as flex space, right? As, as kind of tenants we want to grow eventually into the portfolio. Um, I would invest there. Nick Romito, the CEO of VTS.